All right. Hey, guys, welcome back. This is Quavion Dre Williams. And I'm Daquan Wilson. And this is the Melanin Margin, the talk show web series where we are bringing the marginalized to the spotlight to uplift the Black voices that will no longer be silent. So let's get into the race conversations, honey. What is Black Lives Matter? So my understanding of Black Lives Matter, because let's get into it. Um, So Black Lives (laughs) Matter is... Uh, movement. It's an organization. It's so many things. Um, uh, it was started by three women of color, which I think is very important to denote just because yes. of the amount of work that women of color do for, our, like specifically Black women do for our communities is astronomical. But really starting with, um, especially around like Trayvon Martin and seeing all of these different acts of police brutality or black killings um, and really being able to respond to that being like, hey, our lives matter. No matter what like we see in the media and like no matter how much like we kind of get devalued by society, our lives still matter. And we're going to make that like our battle cry so that these institutions and all of this systemic oppression that we face knows that like you can't just treat us like our lives don't matter at all. Yeah, for me, um, the actual definition, what they actually have on their page is their mission statement is that Black Lives Matter was founded in 2013 in response to the acquittal of Trayvon Martin's murderer. Black Lives Matter Foundation Inc. is a global organization in the UK, US and Canada whose mission is to eradicate white supremacy and build local power to intervene in violence inflicted on black communities by the state and vigilantes by combating and countering acts of violence, creating a space for Black immigration innovation, and censoring Black joy, we are winning immediate improvements in our lives. Now, to me, that whole statement is a statement. And this is where we have these issues with people because they always want to say, oh, well, Black lives matter more. Or what are you trying to say? And it's kind of like, stop adding shit onto that. It's Black Lives Matter. It's a simple statement. But people seem to get so on the defense when they hear it because it's immediately associated to them, mostly white people. It's immediately associated with us trying to make white people treat it. And I I saw this this video on Instagram and it was like, "Um, so why are you so afraid of white people becoming a minority? Is it because white, is it because minorities are treated differently? And I was like, oh shit. (laughs) I was like, oh snap. And I was like, that is so accurate. People are afraid, white people specifically are afraid that if black people did half of the stuff that they did to, if if we reciprocated and, and what people keep forgetting is that we are looking for fairness, equality and respect, true equality, true respect. Right. For our lives and for our livelihood. Be grateful that we're not looking for revenge. Be grateful. I know I've already said this before, but be grateful we're not looking for revenge and we're looking for we're looking for amendments and change. Right. But I don't understand where this fear comes from. I mean, do you understand? Do you do you know where that? Do you have any idea where that fear comes from, Daquan? I think um, we kind of talked. We might have talked about this in another episode. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. In terms of like, there's this there's this notion that like 
equality or like social progression is this zero sum gain in terms of like if black people get something then that means white people lose what they have yes what black lives matter is doing is trying to make sure that like we as black people have what we need to survive and to thrive that is not necessarily taking away from white people but as we see in terms of how minorities are treated in this country they are afraid because they are afraid that that revenge, that there's going to be some type of change into what they have and that there is going to be some retaliation. In reality, we're just trying to live our lives. And that is just the basis of this movement. This is why all lives matter and blue lives matter, all that crap pissing me off so much because it's always used to undercut the movement that is Black Lives Matter. It's always used to undercut Black people. Always. It's always like, have you ever seen those Instagram posts of these white white people will sit there and be like, where are you Black Lives Matter? And they show some random Black person who was killed and and somewhere else in the case may be. And it's kind of like the facts are, baby, we can't get all of them because all of them aren't showing all the time. And I think more beyond that, it's one of those things that... um, it's like so telling like when all lives matter is trending on something like Twitter, because like you can look at Twitter trends and be like, all right, find me a time where all lives matter was trending and it wasn't after black lives matter or something around that situation, because it's always being in response to black lives matter, whether it's all lives matter, blue lives matter, which first of all, there is no concept of a blue life because a police uniform, you can take that off. That is your occupation. That is not your life. That is not your livelihood. That is not like who you are as a being. At the end of the day, I am black. I cannot take off this melanin at all. My whole thing, that that's my whole thing that people keep under, that people, when people, I hear the argument about Blue Lives Matter and it's always like, oh, well, my dad, and it's always some white girl crying. My dad is a police officer and he you goes out and risks so his bad. life every day. And I'm like, bitch, he chose to do that. I'm sorry that I don't have any sympathy for you, baby. Mm-hmm. He chose to do that. Am I saying that when when uh, police go in, they say he was in fourth, if they die, that's not sad. But what I am saying is the facts are your father or mother or brother or sister or cousin or whoever the fuck went to police academy became a police officer knowing the risks that come with being a police officer. Black people cannot do the same. When we go out, our skin tone is risking our lives. Right. That's a completely different topic and completely different conversation. There's not even a comparison there. Not at all. Also, there's this idea that like, um, when it comes to like black people, anytime you see a black person doing something bad in the media, it's always like, okay, that's a reflection of all black people. All black people are thugs and criminals or whatever. But then all that energy is gone for police officers when in reality, there is this notion of like police officers who see other police officers doing bad things and not speaking up against that they are equally as silencing to black communities because they are kind of establishing that status quo in terms of not checking their fellow police officers. Oh, baby, we got a whole episode coming for that one, though. We got a whole episode coming for that one, baby. You have to watch baby. it <laughs> But Come the facts are, I understand what you mean. It's that reality that 
people seem to this this comparison that people have and it's always in response so like i said before it's not that we don't care about the people that these all lives matter people are bringing up it's the fact that we can't get them all not every single black death can be trending because why there are too many to keep up with exactly and if that ain't testament enough to why this movement is so powerful and why it's so necessary it's the fact that y'all are able to find some random black person that was killed or murdered and it's always where is where where are you black lives matter baby baby you are right what what you're doing right now is perpetuating the image of why we are doing what we're doing what right. you're doing right now is proving why we should be fighting why we should be protesting because the facts are there are too many to keep up with and it should never be that way but it is that's the reality we're living in Right. And even beyond that, like, of course, like you can't keep up with every black death in the media, mm -hmm. but you also can't expect us to report on every black death because A, there are so many and B, um, not that there's like a ranking of importance or anything, but I do think that like as people, we do have a priority on like, we should be talking about the things that kind of affect us the most and affecting who we are so like sure you can talk about black lives matter where you at um yeah but as we saw in like the mission statement they're a global organization they're covering so many things so instead of being like black lives matter where you at why not reach out to like some of your local organizations how about bring light to those voices instead of trying to shut other voices down with them exactly how about use that same energy to say this is another black death that no one's talking about. Hashtag black lives matter. Period. And it just, I think that what I find also, I don't know if, I don't know if you feel this too, Daquan, but especially in the height of black lives matter um, in this year specifically, um, it, it's almost overwhelming the amount of death that we hear about when it comes to, in reference to black people on a day-to-day -day basis because of police brutality, because of all of this stuff and racism and systematic uh, oppression. And it, for black people, I don't think people understand how much that affects us on the day-to-day. -day. Having to hear stress. about, it's, it's so much because it's so overwhelming. It's so many people, there's people that I don't even know about that I'm just finding out about yesterday, last week, this week, today. Like, you know, it's stuff that we don't even know. And it's kind of like, if we sit here and we focus only on the death, we will never get anywhere. And right. that's what I think that uh, these all lives matter people are having the issue with. It's like, oh, well, well um, what about, what about, what about, what about? It's kind of like, baby, we know that there's so much death that we can't even quantify it right now. But we're trying to sit here and move forward. We're, we're, we are bringing George Floyd to light, not because he's, a um he is the only black person that's ever been killed by the hands of police officer but he is right now the face of it for this moment right. it's not to say that his life mattered uh more than another black person's life no it's to say this man this event right now is the propelling station for us to make right. sure y'all can see this and yes you're bringing up these other deaths but the facts are these deaths have always been happening this isn't something new. This didn't start yesterday. It didn't start with George Floyd. And unfortunately, the sad part is it's not going to end with him either. It's not. 
And I think there also just needs to be a space for people to be able to heal. Like you can't expect us to like try to deal with all the stresses that come with every single black death. Because I think back to like Eric Gardner's daughter who, you know, did so much work um, in activism and she died at such a young age from cardiac arrest. And it's because all of the stress that comes with having to deal with these issues, it puts a physical damper on our health and it causes us so much pain, both mentally, emotionally, physically, all of that. So yeah, sure, like there may be something that somebody's not reporting on, but how do you know that they can't have like that capacity to do it right then in terms of like making sure that they have a healthy life so that they can continue to be fighting for these changes? And that's, and that is what I think is the biggest issue is like, we just, we have the, there's this white fragility, this, this, uh, this people who don't, who they, they keep victimizing themselves. And I just don't understand how, and I, well, let me rephrase. I don't know what the fuck I just said that because I do understand why white supremacy, but like, it's just, it, it boggles my mind to think that there's just always just like, well, I just don't want to hear about that. I don't, I just, it's always that I don't want to hear about, that's just too much for me as a little white woman or a little white man. I just, it's too much for me. And it's kind of like, baby, this is people that look like me. Imagine how this makes me feel. Do you think I want, that this is what kids in most they want. Do people think we want to talk about this? Do that's what I want to understand. Because we have to. Like We have to. It's not that we to want to. This shit is happening. Exactly. And I think back to just like, you know, the conversation that many Black parents have to have with their children in terms of like how to interact with police so that you can come home safely. And it's like, we have to have these conversations because if not, who knows what's going to happen to us. So you by saying like, I don't want to hear this anymore, or um, I don't, I just can't deal with this right now. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but like, that's your privilege. That's Ooh. your privilege showing right there. Check your privilege. privilege. Not to be thinking about these things. At the end of the day, I can't think, I can't go a day without thinking about these things. I can't walk outside of my house thinking about how I am performing my race and how people are perceiving me in that moment. And that's why I say that people as much as, and I say this oftentimes, as tired as white people are of hearing hashtag Black Lives Matter, we as black people are immensely tired. We are, we are done with having to keep saying to people, this is important, see this problem. It's, it's like talking to a wall and they get mad at us because we keep yelling back at this wall that won't talk back. These structural the structural integrity of this racism is so deeply rooted in our society that we have to keep fighting and bulldozing through that wall every chance we get. And it's just like another wall keeps coming up. So yes, we are just as tired, we are exhausted. But you know what we have to do? Pick ourselves up and keep on fucking talking. Exactly. We, have we don't have, do like so you said, much. we don't have the luxury of not thinking about black lives. Exactly. And I think that even like, when I hear all of these conversations about like, oh, well, like Black Lives Matter didn't care about this person or this other person, or why are y'all only doing like Black people? Why not all minority groups? We're all oppressed or whatever. And 
like this question, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this is, does Black Lives Matter owe anything to other minority groups or any other groups at all? My um, stance on that is we don't owe them anything because of the fact that Black Lives Matter is helping other minority groups. If that makes any sense, we don't owe them anything because they are a part of this movement, whether they know it or not. Because when we bring up the, the idea of systematic oppression, systematic racism, systematic oppression against people of color, we're talking about all people of color. That includes Hispanic people. That includes Native Americans, Indian Americans, and so on. That includes any oppressed group. Black Lives Matter, literally the mission statement says we are fighting against systematic oppression and white supremacy. White supremacy is against all people of color. Last time I checked. Right. So for me personally, I believe that Black Lives Matter doesn't owe anything to anyone else because we are all one thing. We are all talking about the same thing. When we talk when, when Native American, when, when we talk Indigenous Peoples Day, like we talked about in the last episode, the fact that that's a thing, I fully support that because the facts are it is good for the whole. When Native Americans win, we win too, because that's one less that's one less person of color being oppressed by the white man or woman. Right. What about you? I agree with you. I think that we are all fighting against like this same issue of white supremacy. So I don't think that it's productive at all to try to tear down a movement because they are not doing enough with your particular demographic or whatever. And I think that like, it comes back to like our earlier conversation and there's only so much a person can do. There is so much, only so much an organization can do. So if you are having trouble in your communities, you know, you can go to Black Lives Matter, which is a national organization or international as it has so many global connections, but you can also go to like local organizations, local grassroots organizations that are on the ground where you live and look at those organizations and get them to like start mobilizing. It's not just the responsibility of Black Lives Matter to do all the mobilizing. Like there are so many people, there are so many organizations that can be doing this work and we need to be uplifting all of them. And you know what I think that is actually and where that stems from, Daquan? That whole idea of pitting minorities against each other. You know what I'm about to say. All right. White say supremacy. It. There we go. It's white supremacy because they know that if they, it's, it's instant, it is so ingrained in our culture that we have almost become complacent with racism. Mm. That's why there are certain black people that we'll talk to about Black Lives Matter who don't want to hear about it. Because they're so complacent in this race and that they've internalized it. And the same goes for other minority groups. If we, if the white man or the or white supremacy keeps us pitted against each other, we won't ever understand the power we have if we unite as one front. Instead of this intermingling of, well, I'm more oppressed than you, or I'm more oppressed than you, and blah, 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 blah. blah. How about let's pause and let's see what the oppressors are. Right. Let's focus on the oppressors instead of which one of us did. It's always, and I always hear this thing too, like even against like, um, uh, like the Holocaust and slavery and people going like, well, the Holocaust is worse than slavery or slavery is worse than Holocaust. The so black people hurt worse than the Jewish people, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm like, 
Bitch, both of them were atrocities. Right. It doesn't, there is no bigger or worse of atrocity. These are both atrocities in human history that came and stemmed from what? White supremacy. Blue, white, blue and blue and um and blonde, blue eyes and blonde hair, white German people. And, and black people being uh, slaves to white people. It is a it is a system of oppression, period. It is atrocity, period. Neither one is worse than the other. So stop arguing about that. It, it, it's, it's, it's useless. And I would hear that oftentimes more than I would like to hear it. These arguments and these conversations where it's like, well, in, well Native Americans were, well, are, 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 are half struggling worse than black people and blah, 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 blah. blah. And it's kind of like, fuck all of that, bitch. The reality is all of us fucked by white people. Every person of color has been fucked by about been fucked over by a white person by white supremacy in some way. Like we don't move anywhere by playing this oppression Olympics. Like we don't get anywhere. Like all we're doing is saying that we are oppressed. And like I think we understand that. I think we're <laughs> on that point of like acknowledging our own oppression. Like that is a given. That's been happening for centuries. <laughs> towards being able to like have action and put action to fight against white supremacy on all fronts. And that's the and that is what I want us to start doing. Instead, like you said, this and I love that phrase. Who bitch had you in these hashtags? Hashtag oppression Olympics. Okay, now bitch, I see you. But um, that that is and that's the reality is that people don't understand that this is all a system of white supremacy when they pit people of color against each other because they know if we are so focused on each other, we will never actually get to the root of the real problem. Right. So that goes brings me up to this next question right here. Do you think? that people of color, black people, Indian people, Native American people, whatever you want to call it, people of color in general can be racist? Mm, that's a big question. And I think it, it goes back to our question or thoughts about like, how do we define racism? Because if you have like the Merriam-Webster definition or whatever, where it's like, oh, racism is thinking one race is better than the other, some basic definition like that, then yeah, sure. But you have to realize that racism in practice is different than racism as a theory. So how we see racism is often most through different institutions or systems. We see a lot more systemic racism than just like random people being thinking that they're better than another race. Or even if we do see that, that is perpetuated or even created by systems of racism. So I think that at the end of the day, these systems were not built by black people or people of color. They were built by white people. So you can't blame any type of systemic racism on people of color when it's naturally affecting them and it wasn't built by them at all. But I'll pass it off over to you to like get your thoughts. Yeah, um, for me, and I completely agree with what you're saying. Uh, for me, because I, I understand that uh, that train of thought, the facts are, I feel that the way I define racism, and like, I think you talked about this before too, and I kind of adopted your definition, but it's it's power plus um, opportunity. What is it? Which is, what was it again? Prejudice. Let me, prejudice, prejudice, yeah, power plus, plus power. prejudice. Yeah, prejudice plus power. And I think that black people or people of color can be prejudiced against another race. That is absolutely a fact. There are plenty of black people who don't like white people. There are plenty of black people who don't like Mexicans and Mexicans don't like black people and all, and all so forth and what and so on. But the reality is 
Black people, Native American people, um, Hispanic people, people of color do not have enough power systemically to oppress another race. So for me, in that definition, I believe that we don't have the power element to it because a black person can oppress one Native American person or a group of Native American people in a certain situation. But white people can oppress Native Americans as a whole. And that's where the difference to me lies because a lot of people think, oh, and I've, and I've had this debate with a lot of other white people when I talked about it. And it's kind of like, no, black people can't be racist at all. I don't believe that because I, but like you said before, race, racism is power plus prejudice. And if you don't have one or the other, it's not racism, it's prejudice, period. And okay. so without that power element, you don't have, there, there is no possible way. So I just, I, I see that oftentimes and I just wonder it's it's always this idea of like reverse racism. I mean, I, and that I want to see. I want your opinion on that. I want I want to know if you think is there even is that even a thing. So first of all, <laughs> there is no reverse racism because the reverse of racism is equality. So like, <laughs> what are we saying here? But also, I think that it's important to think about where um, some of these prejudice prejudices or whatever it is. Yeah, it's a hard word. (laughs) It's Um, one of those tongue-twisted words. It is. It is a hard word. But I think wherever this prejudice comes from in Black people, you have to think about, like, the source of that in terms of, like, if Black people are prejudiced against white people. All right, what is sparking that? Well, we have centuries of oppression that can go on. We can see all these things in the media of, like, how black people are oppressed by white people and all of these white systems that we have in our society. So in some case that there is like this prejudice is more of a defense mechanism in terms of like, it's trying to protect you because it's like, if I am prejudiced against you, then I'm going to avoid you with all costs. And like, at the end of the day, black people do try to have to avoid these systems of white oppression and white supremacy. Um, so reverse racism, not a thing. I'm sorry. And, <laughs> and the way I see it, when I hear the term reverse racism, or I've had a black person who was racist against me, all I see that as is a thinly veiled attempt to victimize themselves. I say this, I've said this once already in this, but it's a, that's what it is to me. It's when you say, oh, this, per- this black person, they're racist against me, they're racist against me. It's you trying to qualify a black person disliking you to the uh, centuries of oppression that you have had on black people. If someone is hurting you consistently, hurting your family, hurting your kids, hurting your kids, 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 hurting your kids consistently, 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 you're gonna have a preconceived notion about how that particular person affects your family. Now you can have one person in your life who makes you upset or hurts you in a case like you, but you can avoid those people. And that's the difference in my opinion, because it's white supremacy is that one white person or that, or that system of white people that have consistently killed and hurt and raped and maimed all of your family over the course of years, centuries. Whereas this one white person in your, uh, this one black person in your life makes you feel bad. Oh, I'm sorry, but. Yeah, poor baby. Oh, he was hurt. Your feet hurt. The way I see it, I, I see this from RuPaul's Drag Race when Tatiana said, don't play the victim. It doesn't suit you. You don't do it well because you're not a victim. 
And that's what I and, and that's what really like frustrates me the most is when I hear that, when I hear that victimization in their voice trying to qualify it. And it's just kind of like, it's not the case. Let it go. Let it go. And they do this, especially, which brings me to my next point of this violence that we're seeing in response to Black Lives Matter. What is your response to it? My response is, I think that like, you have to just realize that Black people have literally done everything. (laughs) Y'all called kneeling for the national anthem too much. (laughs) Y'all killed Martin Luther King Jr. And he was all about nonviolence. So there has been all of these paths to trying to solve this issue of white supremacy. And all of them are too revolutionary or too much of a change for people. So I think that like when people are faced with violence, violence is almost inevitable. Like I'm not saying that I'm going to go out and cause violence because at the end of the day, I realized that like if I do something violent, it's going to end up worse for me than you know, a white person or whatever. So I think that like, we've tried everything. Everything has been tried. But I also think that like some of this is uh, erroneously mentioned in terms of like, a lot of times, like when we talked about the protests back during the summer, a lot of times, like some of the rioters or looters, those are paid actors, paid white actors to go and try to cause something. So I don't think you can like, sum up an entire movement, an entire protest with just, oh, it's all violent. You have to be able to like, really be able to do your research and understand where the violence is stemming from. Um, I have gone through a, a lot of emotions when it comes to the violence in response to Black Lives Matter. And I actually um, had to correct myself and check myself because like I said before, I'm not perfect. And just because I'm on the show doesn't mean that I don't still do problematic things as well. But the facts is I originally had this belief that violence was not the, not the answer. And I had to really kind of look back on what I had said and really kind of research a little bit more, um, especially on the, uh, the events um, that happened um, in response to black success in, um, uh, uh, to- to- I think it's Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Black Washington. Black Wall Street. And when I heard that, it touched my spirit because for so long I had been sheltered from the pain that my grandmother, great great grandmothers and, and grandfathers have gone through to make my life better than that. I have never had to look at um, a sign that says white only or black only. I've never had to feel someone spit on me just because I was a a different color than them. I've never had to be sprayed down with hoses just for saying, I wanna live, I wanna be treated equally. Mm -hmm. I had never had the experience of being whipped, of being raped, of being taken advantage of, of seeing my mother and my father taken away from me because or my kids taken away. I had not gone through that experience that my ancestors have, my predecessors have. And when I had educated myself and checked my privilege, because there is a certain level of privilege we have right. being born in this generation. And I had to say, hold up, bitch, to myself. I said, hold up, bitch. Who the fuck are you to tell these people they should not be rioting? 
Who the fuck are you to tell someone they shouldn't be doing these things? Because the reality is we have not been heard for centuries. Black people are still being killed for being black, for simply existing in their skin. What Martin Luther King said in response to when someone said, what is a riot? He said, riots are the language of the unheard. Mm. Tell him again. Riots are the language of the unheard. And when I heard him say that, when I educated myself, when I checked my privilege, I realized, bitch, we got to fuck shit up. Even if I'm not the one fucking shit up. But I fully support my black brothers and sisters who do decide, you know what, I'm tired of this shit. Because it's not okay. It's not okay anymore. When you meet us with violence, we protested peacefully, shot with rubber bullets. And this is in 2020. Right. We're beat with baton. In 2020, Daquan. In 2020. So when people flip over cars, fuck up targets, and fuck up these places, yes, bitch, fuck that shit up. And I stand by you because you are completely valid in your reaction to see people like you being killed. And have you ever had a moment like that, Daquan, where you had to check your privilege? Yeah, I I feel like I've had a similar experience in terms of just like my own personal politics of just like, because growing up here, it's always taught like, oh, like nonviolence is the way to go. And like, we don't need to be like making people uncomfortable or like, you know, being that respectable black. You know, that's what you're taught. And then, not going to lie, I came (laughs) to Emory, started taking African-American studies classes, learned about my history. And, like, at the end of the day, like, there is so much happening to Black people that there's there's bound to be some type of response. And if that response is violence, like, whatever. Like, a car does not equal a life. Target does not equal a life. Your little whatever store, like it's material objects are not as valued as my life. Like it should never be. And by people always putting down these protests, these riots as being like, y'all are causing too much damage. Well, let's talk about all the damage that these systems has done on black people. Because if we want to, those checks do not add up. These lives are worth a whole lot more than a target. And bringing it back to that Black Wall Street story that I brought up, it's mighty funny how when you research Black Wall Street, it said there was an uproarious amount of racial tension and whatever the case may be. And baby, that's not what happened. Right. That's not what it was. It wasn't racial tension. No, it was white riots, white rage, white anger at successful Black people. That's what it was. But it's not called that in the textbook. It's not called that when you research it. Right. It's racial tension. It's bad on both sides. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. It's not at all. Not even close. But it's mighty funny how even in these interpretations, we are seeing that when white people riot, when white people come to the state house with guns, with weapons, fully automatic shotguns and, and machine guns and all this stuff because they're mad about masks. Wearing a mask. And we peacefully protest. And it's, oh my goodness. What, oh my goodness. 
what is this? I, when I heard our president, when these white people came up to the state house with these weapons and guns, and he was like, they're good people. They're just hurting right now. They're just struggling right now. They want to be normal. They want life to be normal again. Oh, poor white people. But when black people riot over justified rage against another black life being taken, it's when the looting starts, the looting starts, the shooting starts. Mm. Our president, our president. And it's crazy that, because I can't breathe is a valid thing to start rioting for when it comes to a mask being like, you can't breathe in the mask. But when somebody can't breathe because you have a police officer has their knee on their neck and is literally killing them, you can't protest. You can't oh, no. mad. You can't That's show too much. That's, one, that's too much. <laughs> that's too much. Because a black life is less valuable than a mask. And that is some straight bullshit. I cannot, when I, Daquan, I did not believe that that was actually our reality. But that's what I was living in in 2020. And yes, we all knew that our president was racist, but my opinion, all white people are racist regardless. But the fact is, the level of white supremacy, the level of audacity for this man, this white man to not even try, not even slightly try to understand what we are struggling with as a minority. Right. Mind boggling. Not even denounce white supremacy on the national stage. Not even showcasing just how deeply we are still having to fight for our right to be in our skin. That is the reality we're living in in 2020. So for all those people who want to say, oh, honey, slavery was so long ago. Racism, it doesn't, it's not real. It's not real, baby. Look at your president. Baby, look at these laws. Baby, look at these Black people still being killed. And let's not just act like the fuck George Floyd was the last Black life that died this year. It's not. <laughs> like Let's we're still gonna have that. to talk about these issues we're still gonna who knows next year probably gonna have another incident and you know black lives matter is going to be trending again and then all of my white friends are going to be texting me being like hey i just want to check in with you mm -hmm. and we are <laughs> stuck in this revolving door of Ooh. oppression we're just like stuck in this revolving door and for so long we're just like keep going and going and it's all circles like no matter what we do in terms of progress oppression just takes another face coat like like we said last time mm -hmm. because when it wasn't slavery it was Jim Crow when it wasn't Jim Crow like all of these and let's and let's not forget that I still believe that Jim Crow is still in effect let we don't enforce it but let's be really honest with the fact that those laws, some of those laws are still there. They have not been, they have not been unwritten or, um, or uh, told that this is wrong anymore or like, uh, what's the one for? Amended. 
They have not been amended. Because there are so many laws that are trying to prevent Black people from voting to this day. And yes, there are certain laws. Yes, these laws may not be enforced as much, but they are not enforced or whatever. But the facts are the fact that they still exist. The fact that no one's been like, hey, wait a minute. I know we've been doing all this shit. Maybe we might need to, maybe we might need to take that one out. Just maybe. Right. And, and I think it's so important to think about like what is on the books and what is not. Because if I recall correctly, like it was like Mississippi or Alabama or whatever that didn't ratify the 13th amendment until like, like 2000 something. And that's what, that's what we're looking for ratifying. And I was really, yeah, it had, no, not at all. And, and that to me is, is, is so crazy because the facts are, there's so much negative reaction that we get when we talk about these conversations for this show. There's, there is, so many people who keep telling us, and, and, it, and I think it's most, I read this article recently that spoke about uh, when, um, as she said that she was talking about Black lives and writing about her experience with racism and stuff like that. And she said that she was on the phone and this guy was like, what are you doing? Why are you talking about this? You shouldn't be talking about this. This, this, this it, we shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a thing. And what baffled me the most was the fact that the call was coming from another Black person. Hmm. The call was coming from inside the house, Daquan. All your, all your skin folk ain't your kin folk. And that, that is the most terrifying part about white supremacy is the fact that it's so deeply ingrained in us that it makes us believe that white supremacy is okay. That it's not worth the fight, Daquan. It's not worth the conversation. Just let it happen. Let the oppression continue. That's the lesson that we see from a lot of these people who consistently want to ignore the problem. Right. Because ignoring something doesn't make it go away last time I checked. We don't get anywhere with complacency. Not, not anywhere. And, and that to me, my whole, that, that to me is just, it's so crazy to think that, where do you where do you think that that comes from? To where, because you'll oftentimes see it's not just black, it's not just black people, but other Hispanic people, Asian people, other people talking about oh that Black Lives Matter stuff. Not for me. How do you feel about that? How does that make you feel? I think part of it is a whole respectability politics. They don't want to be lumped in with Black Lives Matter because of how white media sees it as being violent or just like this bad organization. Um, and people wanted to be seen as like the upstanding citizen, you know, be one of the exceptions up to the rule of race or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, like, like I said, complacency is not going to get us anywhere. It's why we're still here because so many people are complacent with the systems that are in place and we're not doing anything to change them. Or even if we do, it's so slow, incredibly slow. Like you're telling me it took us until how long to get a one black president? How long between black people were allowed to be citizens of this United States to when Obama was elected? Such a long time. So many times of just like black people not being seen as citizens. And it's like, all right, you got your citizenship, but we're going to still oppress you and like prevent you from voting. And then you have voting rights acts pa being passed and then 
they're still trying to like get around the Voting Rights Act and doing all these types of things for voter suppression to this day. And it's like, we are moving at such a snail pace that like progress doesn't feel like anything. It still feels like we are still living in this crazy time and that we should be so much further than we are. And you have all of these instances where you see a person like George Floyd or you see black people literally being lynched in 2020 that wake some people up and be like, wow, like this is not the progressive society that we thought it was. And it's the thing that, that I believe also stems from cultural supremacy because there is a such thing as certain cultures believing that because they are above black people. And I've noticed that a lot that you will oftentimes hear a lot of Hispanic people, Puerto Rican or, or, or Mexican or something, that if, if they are a certain shade, they don't believe that you can't bring home a black person. If you are in an Asian family, you can't bring home a black man. And that sense of cultural supremacy, I think is what benefits white supremacy. Because as we talked about earlier, the facts are Regard, nobody benefits from white supremacy except white people. And even then, even then, white supremacy is bad all around. It's bad for white people too. And be real, like these acts of white supremacy are also very much tied into other forms of oppression, whether it be socioeconomic status or whatever. So like it might not hit, hit like the top of top white people, but it's still gonna hit those um, working class folks in some regard. And that I think is the biggest thing that people don't see is that the reason why they think that, the reason why white supremacy is still prevalent, still so relevant is the fact that people think there's this idea, like I said, of cultural supremacy that helps white supremacy stay where it is and stay at un unmoved and unchanged. Because if we're constantly fighting amongst ourselves, we will never unite enough to be able to fight against it together. And a lot of times we will often see, like I said before, Hispanic, Asian, all the other people who distance themselves from Black Lives Matter, who's distanced themselves from the Black experience, who distance themselves from the Black struggle because of the fact that they believe that they don't have the same struggle. When in reality, like I said earlier, people of color, period, people who are not white are oppressed by white supremacy, regardless. People, white Asian people are still being made fun of on television. There are, a, there are people, what was that movie? I know Angelina Jolie who played an Asian woman. Mm -hmm. There is people in Hispanic cultures. There's still so much uh, um, stereotypes shown in his, Hispanic TV in movies and TV shows about Hispanic people, that they're always gardeners or workers or some kind of stuff like that. There's always that people don't even notice these things. That we are still seeing the same black stories told over and over and over and over and over and over again about us being thugs, getting out the hood, being thugs, getting out the hood, fighting people, calling people bitches and hoes and all this other case may be and whatever, whatever, whatever. We always see the same story over and over again. We don't ever get to see the change sometimes of the fact that there are black people who can be successful, who cannot ever be in the streets. There are successful black people, there are successful Asian people. The fact that there aren't very many Asian movies that 
that center Asian Americans or Asian American people being successful. Aside from crazy rich Asians, maybe. Right. But once again, this is just a, a minor, a minuscule example that I'm trying to bring to the table to showcase the fact that cultural supremacy needs to stop. In order for us to succeed, in order for us to unite together as a one united front against white supremacy and to bring it down as if our white people help us and our cultures, all of us, people of color say, you know what? We're tired of all people of color being oppressed. Right. So to close out this um, particular episode, we're gonna bring up this one little question right here. And I wanna ask you, Daquan, where do you think we go from here? I've kind of already answered my side of it. What do you think? How do you think that black, what, what is the next step for Black Lives Matter? I, I, like, I agree with you in terms of like what you're saying, in terms of like, A, we need to continue to have these conversations, no matter who it makes uncomfortable, no matter how uncomfortable it makes, we need to have these conversations. And we need to go beyond conversations into action and making sure that we kind of recognize no matter how minuscule it might be, all these small little pinpricks will draw blood and it will affect us. Um, so we need to be able to like have spaces for black voices. But I think another part where of where we need to go from here, we need to go like find some spaces of healing. Mm. Because I think for so long, like I think one of the biggest things that like even for me is just like, being so burnt out that you just yes. become numb like even this summer like I found myself where I was just like so much is going on and like I just don't feel like responding at all like you feel I powerless like feeling anything at all like I would rather feel nothing than feel the hurt and the anger to like truly get through that and I think now with everything that's going on whether it be the the um, George Floyd incidents and all of that stuff, Breonna Taylor from earlier in the summer, whether it be coronavirus, whether it be this upcoming election, I think a lot of us need to focus on some healing and making sure that we have that energy to continue the fight, that it doesn't lose steam, that it doesn't have ebbs and flows where it's like, all right, Black Lives Matter is trending. All right, we're all tired. We can't do anything. Mm -hmm. Trending again. Like we need to be able to like conserve our energy and find spaces of healing for ourselves to make sure that like this is not something that just dies out like it should not be something where like Black Lives Matter was popular for the summer and now it's like tired. And that's what I've heard, I've heard a lot of times what I think is really most important is that hashtag Black Lives Matter is still important just because your themes and your your social medias are back to normal. They're right. back to trending other stuff that isn't as important. And that's why I have Black Lives Matter on my Instagram page to remind me that every day, no matter how much life is going well, no matter how many good things are happening, like you said before, there is time for healing, but there's also time for remembrance. Right. And it's also recognizing the fact that, yes, we need that space to be able to heal so that we can stay strong and keep fighting another day. And for me, the way that I find that healing is to remind myself every day that our fight is never over. Right. And I believe that's the end of the episode because I feel like I'm getting emotional, bitch. I ain't, <laughs> right. I ain't trying to do it. So thank you guys so much for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Please, please comment down below. We do respond to these comments. We do want to hear what you guys have to say. Please keep this conversation going, just like Daquan said. Even if it's not here, also keep it on your, on your pages, on your Twitter, on your Instagram. 
keep this conversation going because it's never going to stop. We're never going to stop. So thank you guys so much for watching and we will see you next week, honey. This was the Melanin Margin, bitch. I'm big. I'm big one. I'm baby Andre Williams. <laughs> and I'm Daquan. And we're signing off from this episode. Bye, guys.